Hi, it's Dustin Lanier. Thanks for listening. Please find me on LinkedIn for original public sector operations content every week. And please reach out to me if I and my team of procurement professionals at Civic Initiatives can help you be a public procurement change agent. We're going to talk about federal funds and procurement. What do you need to know if you're in procurement as it relates to these programs? Many of you, I'm sure, are in the hot middle of this. I'm going to try to keep it as interesting as it can be, given the subject material. I've tried to punch it up a little bit. So we're going to use this Swiss Army knife as a guide to walk through seven things that we'll talk about today. What's the main issue to be managed? Compliant procurement, a brief introduction. State local relief fund overview. I'll talk about that in a second. The overview of the IIJA, which is newer than ARPA, so maybe some of you need some updates on that. Federal reporting and records requirements, allowable external assistance and actions that you can take. So what is this issue that we are managing? Federal funds, of course, in response to COVID and then other things that came, there was a series of these highly acronym-based funds that came out that then create a lot of pressure towards us. So CARES in 2020, ESSER, which is more education-oriented, ARPA, of course, IIJA, and then the Combined Appropriations Act in 2010 created a whole other set of acronyms that you'll either you know or you will know, like BEAD is the one that's going to be about broadband, you know, that kind of thing. So lots of federal programs that came across in this period of time. So maybe it hasn't really entered your consciousness because COVID has kind of slipped away from our worldview, but emergency and exigency, which was the statement that we were in a period where we needed to be able to relax rules, ends formally on May 11th. Did y'all know that? So a lot of us have already kind of moved past that, but that's formally and officially over on May 11. So one of the big reasons that we have helped people in some of this ARPA stuff is because Relaxed rules doesn't mean no rules, number one. And number two, we need to remember our muscle memory for anything where we need to be back on our tip top with our use of federal funds. Because the number one thing we don't want to do in procurement is to expose our business customers or our leadership to any possibility those funds would be resized because we didn't do something correct on procurement. Another key issue here is while some of these dates seem many lifetimes ago, the spend-by dates don't move. So the funds that are in the State Local Relief Fund, the worst acronym in the world, I, I have a joke about that in a minute, they need to be obligated by 2024 and then spent by 2026. So what that's going to do is it's inevitably maintaining quality, like we want to put out good procurements, we want to be compliant, we want to be doing our job, and compliance with these hard dates is going to push a lot of stuff into procurement. So let's talk about being compliant in procurement. And when I say compliant in procurement, I want to make sure y'all realize that you have to create guiding principles with your leadership that says procurement is there to drive efficiency, like we have to execute for the business, quality, we need good outcomes while we do it, and we need to be good stewards and good compliant when we're doing it. So I don't say compliant procurement saying that's the only thing that you do in procurement and you need to make sure you're sending that message back up. But since we're talking about ARPA and how to be in the box. That's what we're going to focus on in this discussion. Compliance pillars will start really high. The places that you have to comply with three pillars on any given procurement event. Of course, the Arkansas state law, any specific terms and conditions specific to the federal grant that was given, which sometimes they can 
do clean air or whatnot. And then 2 CFR 200 compliance. So state law, so this is from universal guidance that individual states uh, must follow their own procurement policies as well as comply with procurement standards set while using these funds. And the primary collection of law governing Arkansas procurement is found here, but you knew that already because there's this wonderful procurement manual from the state group. So uh, formally, it's the uniform guidance provisions. At a high level, it includes acronyms and definitions, general provisions, the federal award requirements, post-federal award requirements, cost principles, and audit requirements. So that's at a high level. This shot is basically the most relevant provisions to procurement. Again, you don't have to type it out. I'll send it to you if you want to take pictures, that's cool. So general procurement standards, competition, methods of procurement to be followed, socioeconomic contracting, domestic preferences, recovered materials, contract cost and price, review of procurement, bonding requirements, contract provisions, finance reporting, monitoring reporting, subrecipient and contractor determinations, requirements for pass-through entities, fact affecting allowability of costs, reasonable costs, and audit requirements. Whew, I did not fall asleep in the middle of saying all that. Uh, but So there's a lot of things that we have to understand. So it can be a little daunting. I'm not obviously gonna sit here and go through every single one of these. It would be a waste of your time and too boring. But I am gonna pick out some that I think are of the, probably the most importance to be able to have an effective program and to hit the highest core parts. Just because I'm not talking about a thing doesn't mean you don't need to go be familiar with that too. So first, I think it is important to make sure that your group has some sort of a procurement policy that you've touched sometime in the last two, three years, certainly not 10, 15 years or non-existent. So you're required to have a written procurement policy in place that reflects federal, state, and local requirements. It must deal with written standards of conduct relating to conflicts of interest, I think is important. And then the, there's outside of the two CFR language, the state and local relief fund rule further states that recipients must have and use documented procurement procedures that are consistent with the standards outlined in all of that. So, you know, it's funny how many projects we've had that are, I would consider to be procurement manual type projects. And I realize it probably comes from some of this, that people realize they don't have a good procedure set and a good work set. My general recommendation to you on if you're doing these projects internal is really try to think about it in a life cycle based way, going from planning through ex, you know, decisions into core provisions and into then contract management. A lot of times some of our circulars end up getting written and just they just tack on a new thing and they throw on like the green policy right after the wage policy and it's very hard to read. Another thing is if you take a lot of the things that people have to comply with and you put them into your RFP templates and into your, your checklists and decision trees, then even if people aren't gonna sit and read the whole procedure manual, they're complying because you've infused compliance into the tools that they're using to do their job. Does that make sense? If you're trying to say, do we have clear policy and procedure sets, then think then the next step out, which is how do I flow that into the tools that people use to send me stuff so that they're automatically compliant before they give it to me. If you look in 2 CFR 200, there's tables everywhere and sometimes it can be hard to consume. You see people talk about like the procurement bear claw, which is there are five ways that you are, that it describes as core methods of procurement. So micro purchases, small purchases, sealed bids, competitive proposals, and sole source. You get it, the bear claw with the five pads, right? So this is all in 200, uh, 320. 
So current rules, micro purchases up to $10,000, no quotes are required in equitable distributions. Small purchases is up to $250,000. You need to rate your quotes and do some competitive analysis. Sealed bids are greater than $250,000 for construction projects where my price is a major factor, three to five rate quotes, and a formal advertising. Competitive proposals greater than $250,000 for fixed price or cost reimbursement, request for proposal with evaluation methods, and publicize it. And then sole sources should be unique, addressing public emergency or situations where there's no competition. You follow the flow? Yeah. Thank you. Um, so the federal provision does say you have to do whatever is the more restrictive of your procurement policies. So that's the federal process. So if Arkansas has lower standards in that, then you have to follow whatever the lowest standard is. Okay, so cost and price analysis over 250 grand. The entity must perform a cost or price analysis with every procurement action in excess of the simplified acquisition threshold, which is 250 grand. As a starting point, the non-federal entity must make independent estimates before receiving bids and proposals. So for the feds, if you're doing something that you anticipate is going to be over $250,000, you're supposed to do some sort of a cost estimate before you receive bids and proposals. So here's what I would do if I had something over 250 and put it and just document it to file. I mean, we'll talk a minute about like the requirements for procurement to save its records on why it chose to do certain things or decisions on how it approach certain uh, procurement events. So I would just document it to file some sort of an estimate. Identify potential vendors and publish labor rates. Um, research potential vendors and their things that they've uh, put out in the market. It could be used to associate labor costs with the project. Other commercial pricing sources, using commercial pricing sources such as catalogs and market surveys to gather data on the cost of materials, equipment, and services. Consider other cost drivers such as geographic location, seasonality, factors that would address direct and indirect costs. So if you're buying something where where transportation is a large cost of it, or maybe they, it's not there all the time because it's food or something. So, I mean, consider the other cost factors. And of course, evaluate private, previous buys and contracts, and then contracts that others have entered into that may be your peers. Like that's a way to say this project will probably cost me in this zone. And then make sure that the subject matter experts are involved in the estimation process to make sure that all aspects of the projects are accurately considered.